Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Was that actually on here or are we just being silly? No, I think it's on there. I think we started. Hi, everybody. Hello, podcast <laughs> listeners. Here we are. Hello, everyone. Wendy does not know I'm making this request, but she is turning 50 on November 7th of this year, and I'm wondering if you would help me to make it a special day for her. Would you be willing to share how she has blessed you on this podcast and email that blessing to Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, just one L, Michelle at TOBinstitute.org. If you could email that to her by the end of October, that would be great. And I know we have listeners from around the world, so just if you would put your name and where you listen from, where are you from in the world, that would be great. I'll gather those together and present them to Wendy on her 50th, and I know that'll be a special blessing for her. Thanks so much for helping out. This is um, sharing something somebody sent into the podcast that was not a question. It's just a comment. All right, let's hear it. Dear Wendy and Christopher, I want to say thank you. That's in bold. For this great podcast, I've been listening to your podcast for several weeks, starting with episode one. Wow. And I'm now on episode 88 and loving it. All right. The podcast is a tremendous help in seeing my own life in the light of faith. But now I want to thank you especially for episode 85, which shed light on a very sad and dark side of my heart. Mm. I heard from you that uh, as a mother, I can be weak. I can be tired. I can be human. Mm. After the birth of our sixth child, I felt that I no longer had the strength to give everything for the family. I was tired and overwhelmed. And at the same time, I had the feeling that I wasn't a good Christian because I couldn't give myself completely for others. I thought that I had to give up myself and my body, which was so tired for my family. And at the same time, I felt that I couldn't do it. My Mm. husband understood this immediately and forced me to rest. Good man. And do something just for me and my body. Good man, good man. It helped me, but at the same time made me so sad that I'm not holy enough to give myself fully and here this part is in all caps and then i heard your podcast (laughs) good and learned that there's nothing i can give that i haven't received myself and that you too wendy sometimes you need time off to be there for your family again thank you very much hearing that took a huge load off me oh god bless you praise god i just that expression huge load off me confirms what i was sensing and i was seeing christ carrying his cross and falling Mm. and needing simon to take the load off his shoulders Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right this is christ himself so it can be a very fruitful experience to just say, where am I in the journey with Jesus? Uh, am, I, am I in need of Simon, right? Am I, am I, am I, my tongue got all twisted up there. 
am I in need of, of help? And your husband came to you as Simon. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's the, it's the living stations of the cross, mm. right? Do, and isn't it interesting that we equate weakness with lack of holiness? Uh, weakness is part of the human condition, and it's, it's not in itself sinful. Now, we can indulge our weaknesses in sinful ways, uh, that's true, but the weakness itself is not even necessarily something we need to overcome. It's something we need humbly, oftentimes, to accept about ourselves and open to being loved by others. Uh, Jesus needed to humble himself, uh, not that he wasn't already humble. Let me rewind. He didn't humble, have to humble himself in the same way that we do. But he had to accept his weakness and let this other person carry the cross that he couldn't do because of the simple limitations of being a creature in his human nature. He, he had that same weakness that, that we all experience. So anyway, that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful grace you're experiencing. Yeah, and we're so glad to know about it. Thank you for taking the time to uh, send that feedback in our um, podcast questions and just allowing us to know that even the the old episodes that we recorded long ago, the Lord is still working through them. That is awesome. Yeah, who knows when she'll actually catch up to this episode to where when we we're are actually now. talking about <laughs> That's her. That's right. But uh, thank you so much for submitting that whenever you get a chance to listen to this episode. That's right. Do you have any updates for us from the Theology of the Body Institute? I just want to, yet again, encourage listeners out there. You're thinking, how am I ever going to be able to take 10 days off or afford to go to Europe on a riverboat cruise pilgrimage? Well, if you're meant to be there, the Lord can open a way. Do not think that it's impossible for you to go on this cruise that we're going on together. Uh, the river cruise on the Seine River in France, October 2023. Wendy and I are going to be the leaders of this pilgrimage along with Jason Clark, and we are hoping that his wife will be able to join us too. Not sure yet. But um, yes, yes, check out the link, learn more, look at all the stops we're going to be making in France, look at the fun places we're going to go, the prayerful places we're going to be diving into the teaching of St. Therese and her little way and linking it up with John Paul II's Theology of the Body. I used to teach a course every year at the St. Therese Institute in Bruno, Saskatchewan, Canada, and I, that was the first time I started connecting the little way with John Paul's Theology of the Body, and it's really beautiful to just see the complementarity of these two saints. So that's where we're going to be going, and Wendy, I can't wait to be on that river cruise with you. Thank you. All the other pilgrimages I've led, it's been a goodbye to my wife for 10 days. That's right. But this will be a hello, Wendy. (laughs) Yes. Coming with me. Very special. Very exciting. Maybe, hey, I'm just putting this out there. What? I think maybe we should record an episode of the Ask Christopher West podcast on the boat with a live audience, taking questions from our live pilgrims. What do you think of that? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to do it. Sounds great. You ready for questions? Yep. Okay. This one is from a patron named Donna. Donna, thank you so much for your patronage. We cannot do this work without your 
loving support. Thank you. She says, recently, our TOB Apostolate Family Renewal Project hosted a unique event. We called it God, Sex, and Science, Decoding the Meaning. Mm -hmm. At the end, we provided time for questions and answers. The following is the very first question that was asked by someone in the audience. None of us felt that we were capable in our attempt to respond, and we promised we would provide an adequate answer. Thus, I'm turning to you. Uh-oh. We can't wait to hear your response. And here's the question. What does it mean theologically that the man is always fertile and the woman uh... is only fertile a fraction of each month? <laughs> Very interesting question because I have been pondering this lately. Okay. So at our Made for More event, we always show this picture of the sperm and the egg coming together. And I've been pondering the mystery of the difference. Why is it upwards of 500 million sperm and one egg? Mm. Obviously, it's one sperm that gets there. Yeah. But 500 million are racing to get mm. there. What does this say? What is the theological message? Theology of the body. If we look at what John Paul II says, that the woman is the model and the archetype of the whole human race, then we could recognize that that singular egg says something about the very reality of being a creature. And if we can recognize that the male, in the spousal analogy, the male is revealing something of the divine mystery here. And I think the number of sperm and the fact that the male is always fertile speaks to the symbolic nature of masculinity as the revelation of the divine. Now, you got to be careful here because we're, we're not saying it's only the man who reveals the divine. Everything comes from the heart of God. The mystery of woman comes from the heart of God. So the mystery of woman reveals something of the divine, right? So we don't want to be so strict in our categories here that we think the woman is only a symbol of the creature, and the man is only a symbol of, of the divine. The man is just as much a creature, and the woman is just as much revealing something of the divine mystery. Nonetheless, there is this distinction in the spousal analogy, God is always the bridegroom, humanity is always the bride. So with all the rest said, I want to zoom in on that. And I think what we can recognize is that the number of sperm, 500 million, and the fact that the man is always fertile, and the singularity of the, the ovum, and the fact that there's only one ovum uh, a month typically released, there can be, you know, what do they call that, double ovulation, or what's the, is there a technical term for that, Wendy? No. No? I not, can't think of it. Not that you can think of anyway. Okay. Anyway, a woman can sometimes release more than one egg. That would be fraternal twins, right? But nonetheless, normal course of events, upwards of 500 million sperm, one egg, man's always fertile, woman's, you know, not always fertile. I think this is the, this points right in our, 
anatomy here, right in our genitals, right in the way of, of producing the reproductive gametes, right? Is that the right word? Gametes? I'm not sure it's the right pronunciation, but it's the right word. Uh, gametes? Maybe. Yeah. Gametes, gametes. How about gametes? <laughs> okay. One of those. G-A-M-E-T-E-S. Right. That's the word I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. We have the revelation of infinity, the infinite fertility of God, the infinite fatherhood of God, and we have something here of the finiteness the singularity, the, the, yeah, the finiteness of the creature. That's my sense of it. Um, anybody can, you know, swat that down if you don't like it or whatever, but mm -hmm. I think it is, I think it's onto something. I think the very word testicles comes from, shares the same root as words like testify, testimony, testament, what are the testicles testifying to? Testicles in that infinitude, near infinitude of sperm, right? I mean, in the end, the amount of sperm a man produces in a lifetime is finite. But compared with the, the number of eggs, which a woman, the, the female fetus, correct me, Wendy, if you know the anatomy better than I, but my understanding is even in the womb, that female child in the womb has the number of eggs it's going to mm -hmm. release. Whereas the male, the testicles are, once they hit, the, the male hits puberty, he is continually producing sperm. Like however many hundreds of thousands of sperm every minute of his life. That is a testimony to the infinity of God and the infinity of God's fatherhood. I, I just... I uh, want to add one thing, uh, thinking about that comment that um, woman is only fertile for a short time each yep. month, um, in that if we just take a look at that, it's, of course, it's not really related to a month, like the month on the calendar, but we're talking about a woman's cycle of fertility. And to realize that in order to grow a baby, every component of her cycle is needed, the the yes. single cell of the egg is available for um, conception only for a short time, but all of it is necessary. All of it is part of her fertility. Yes, yes, yes. yes. She can't just pop an egg out any old time. Right. All the stages that her body's, body goes through is necessary for the couple together to be able to conceive. And and really, fertility is most expressed when conception occurs. So in a way, like it, it's maybe not adequate to say that a woman is only, right. quote, fertile for this short period of time, because every aspect of the cycle is necessary is for towards, conception. Right. So it's just kind of to pause that's, and look at that um, and, and maybe just see something of the tenderness of God in wooing us, in being the author and perfecter of our faith, that, that he knows the whole story and, and each stage of the process that's necessary for each, you know, the new life in each person's life is, he's, he's not um, unaware. It's so intricate and it's so um, just loving and beautiful. Yeah. So And do the math on the probability of your existence. It becomes absolutely astounding. It's not only 
one in 500 million because of, you know, if it had been any other sperm, you would not exist. But if it had been any other egg, you would not exist. And then you have to do that same math on every generation of your ancestors in your family tree. Because if it had been any other sperm a hundred generations ago that got to that egg first, your great, 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 great grandmother to the hundredth degree would be somebody else. And that means you would be somebody else. When you start to do the math on that, it's utterly, utterly, utterly astounding. Wendy, your existence is utterly astounding. My existence is utterly astounding. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you and I were called into existence at this time in this place and brought together through all kinds of circumstances to bring five other lives into existence, if it had been any other sperm reaching any other egg, none of our, our kids would be other kids. They wouldn't exist. It's just crazy. And science looks at that and concludes, your life is the end result of random meaninglessness. Whereas theology looks at that and says, your life is the end result of love. That a love has been guiding all those sperms and eggs throughout all of human history because love wanted you to exist. Two very different takes on the same mm. reality. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to go with the love angle. <laughs> Me too. Thank God for all that science can show us about sperm and egg, but love is real. Mm. And love is at work in bringing each of us into existence. Thanks mm -hmm. be to God. Mm -hmm. Our next question is from a listener named Mary. Hello, Mary. My boyfriend of one year, who I'm planning to marry, has a past of watching porn in high school. He wasn't addicted, but he watched it many times. It is very hard for me to feel beautiful or confident around him because I know watching that must have affected his ideas and expectations of what the female body should look like and what beautiful looks like. I've talked to him about it, but I still feel so insecure. I try and pray to not think about it since it's in the past, but nothing helps. It just hurts and breaks my heart so much that I will never be as beautiful and attractive to him as I would have been if he had never watched that. Well, Wendy, you and I can speak into this as well, because I was, as a teenager, exposed to porn, and I brought those ideas, uh, the way that had it affected my brain, the way that it affected my expectations as to what a woman looks like in her naked glory. Uh, I brought that with me. That caused us suffering and painful trials and this is this is territory that is not foreign, so I can say that right up front. I want to affirm your pain. I want to affirm your desire to be seen as beautiful. We had a, a related question on a, maybe it was just our last podcast, I, f I forget, I can't keep them all straight, but a similar sentiment of a woman who whose fiancé was, um, yeah, taking his... His, his impression of beauty was deeply warped by the culture. And yeah, that's the culture we live in. Whether someone's been affected by porn or not, like someone has actually looked at porn or not, just the world we live in, the billboards, uh, the movies, the if you are raised in this culture, you have a very, and, and, and absorbed it uncritically, just kind of took it in you have a warped image of beauty, whether you're a male or a female. 
and it wounds both the man and the woman. It, it wounds them painfully, and it wreaks havoc in relationships. Uh, and this really is the fruit, the rotten fruit of an enemy who has gotten in the mix, and his specific goal is to sow division, pain, and disharmony in the male-female relationship. The enemy always plays the same card. And from the beginning, he has been after marriage. Why? Because marriage is the main icon in this world of the heavenly destiny of the marriage between Christ and the church. If the enemy can thwart uh, and, and sow seeds of disharmony in the relationship of man and woman, it will no longer lucidly and beautifully convey and communicate and lead us to the marriage of the Lamb. So, there is an enemy in the mix here. The good news is that Christ came into the world to undo the work of the enemy. And the grace of the sacrament of marriage, inasmuch as the husband and wife open themselves to it, and that's critical, we all know grace is always given, but it's not always opened to and received, right? But the grace is there through the sacrament of marriage to crush the head of the enemy, to, to, to sniff him out, to see where he has entered, and to root him out through the power of what Christ did in his death and resurrection. You are really and truly sniffing him out, right? You are sensing his presence. You are sensing the way he has worked. And now you're invited to root him out. Now, it takes two to say yes to that rooting out. You can't compel your fiancé. Are, are they engaged? Did she say that? Uh, no. No. You can't compel your, your boyfriend, your future fiancé, to say yes to this rooting out, but I would encourage you to continue honest conversations. I'm so glad that you shared with us that you have spoken to him. Share your heart with him. Share your pain with him. Share your questions with him. And listen to his heart. I, I pray and I hope he regrets this. I pray and he hope he recognizes that this was terribly wrong. Um, if he does not, I would say he's in need of conversion before he's ready to marry. So I'm just going to go with the assumption that he recognizes this is wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So if he recognizes this is wrong, that's a good starting point for you to open your heart to him, share your sufferings with him, share the way this impacts you, share the, the way this, I think, torments you is not an exaggeration. You, it sounds like this is kind of tormenting, and for good reason it's tormenting, because yes, the enemy got in the mix and robbed you of something that you rightfully desire to be the one that he sees for the first time. Uh, that's not going to be happening, and now there's the temptation that he's under to, and you feel it, that he would be comparing your naked body to these other naked bodies that he's seen in magazines. And what woman can measure up to that? So there's that pain and fear of, of not being loved, of not being seen, of, of being measured against someone else, of being compared to someone else. Why does that hurt so much? Because the human person is incomparable. 
to compare the other to compare a human person to another human person is to fail to recognize the uniqueness the unrepeatability of that person and we all want to be loved and seen right there wendy and i over 27 years of marriage have had to put these pains and these these lies into the light we've had to be honest with one another about our own interior struggles and our own interior fears and our own interior insecurities and that's a scary thing to put all that into the light with the other person but it's also a beautiful and genuine experience of intimacy of the sharing of the heart of the the honor it is to see someone's naked soul mm. and to see the other's naked soul is in a way even more fulfilling than merely seeing the other's naked body it is i mean it is more fulfilling because that's what we're really after and i would say this that the naked body is only honest in its nakedness in as much as it is also revealing the naked soul mm. there's a lot of physical nakedness in human relationships that is a lie and i'm going to add even in marriage it can be dishonest when you know i've heard many many wives say things to me in my ministry work you know this is dealing with married couples and their struggles where a wife will say something like i'm willing to open my body to him but i'm not willing to open my heart well that's a recipe for total rupture right that that is not going to lead to to happiness in, in uh, married life here the, the, the heart needs to catch up with the body and the body needs to correspond to the heart and maybe the first is if you're not opening your heart maybe you shouldn't open your body um, maybe you should, as a couple, be working on why are you afraid to open your heart? Uh, there's meant to be an, an, an integrity there. Uh, the body is meant to express the language of the heart. And when there's something off there, that can be incredibly, incredibly rupturing. I feel like I'm rambling at this point. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss this one to you, Wendy, to hear your <laughs> reflections. So I stop rambling. Mary, I... Um can relate to this. I think you have a certain wisdom to kind of see the impact of this um, experience that your boyfriend has had. Um, there's this just an insight and a wisdom in what you're saying there. And what I just want to challenge you to is to look at also how has he been wounded and how can you learn to love him and be a channel of grace and healing in his life? Because it, it can, the evil one would want you to believe this has primarily wounded you and he, your boyfriend, can't be a channel of grace because he's a channel of the wound. And so that, that would become like just a separation and a resentment and the devil would just love that. You know, and so you have in your wisdom that you're gaining, like it needs to go a step further to where you you don't let the evil one have that party of, yeah, hmm. 
I'm going to keep them in suspicion and hurt. But, but let the grace come that says, the Lord loved your boyfriend from the moment he was conceived, had did not desire for him to be exposed to that. That was wounding for him, for his mind and heart. And yet God is so good that he can use that for good. Mm. He can use that journey out of the pain of that, out of the lies, into truth, into healing powerfully. He can use it in your boyfriend's relationship with you. He can use it in ministry. He can use it in parenting. It has so much good that can come from it, and the evil one doesn't want that. So I just encourage you to take that next step where you begin to open your heart to see how has he been wounded and to love him and pray for him and have compassion for the wound that has happened in his heart that you are called to love. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why Wendy West is the host of the Ask Christopher West oh, podcast. <laughs> no, Wendy, I, I really, I'm, in, I'm, like, I'm like, wow, yes, yes, wow. Thank you for that insight. Thank you for sharing that. It's so important, so important. And I have been the direct beneficiary, Wendy, of, of your compassion on me in the ways that my sinful past and sinful present, as if, as if I was just sinful in the past. I, I mean, thanks be to God, I have not, this is God's grace in my life, in my marriage. Pornography has not been an issue in my marriage. Uh, it was an issue in my teen years, and when you and I were dating, Wendy, it, it had been five years since I had even been exposed to porn. Um, but those, those wounds go deep, and your compassion on me having been deeply wounded by pornography in my life has been a, a great source of, of healing to me. It's real. That compassion that can become prayer to bring healing to the other is real. I know it firsthand. Thank you, Wendy. Mm -hmm. well, God, God is good. Yes, he is. That's, that's the truth. Amen. Let's just look at all our messed up situations and go, I know you're good, God. I yes. know you're good. You're going to do something good in my life. That's why we do this podcast. Amen. Ready for the next question? Yes. This is from Megan. Hello, Megan. My husband of eight years and I are experiencing a difficult time in our sex life. I want to love and cherish my husband and be intimate with him, but I'm struggling with being able to be aroused. We have two young kids and a third on the way in December. Lately, I find I can't separate the frustrations of the day from our intimate time, and I'm constantly thinking and feeling negative thoughts about my husband's attempts to get me in the mood. Mm. I get frustrated with him and myself for not being able to get aroused, and half the time we just give up. Mm. Why, why can't I get aroused by my husband anymore? I feel like a failure to him, as if there's something physically or psychologically wrong with me. Before my reversion to the faith, I had many wandering years of sexual sin that I find still haunt my thoughts. Mm. Despite having gone to confession for these sins, I still feel so disgusted at myself and my actions. I know this psychological battle within me is contributing to me not being able to love my husband properly, but I have no idea how to combat it or where to turn. 
I pray you can help me with any advice or point me in the right direction. Bless you, bless you, bless you, dear sister. Bless you, bless you, bless you. I, I'm so glad that you're already aware that these painful experiences of the past are blocking your experience in the present. A lot of people are clueless mm. that those past experiences have any bearing on their present reality. But that just doesn't do justice to the human heart. Those experiences went deep. Those experiences were painful. Uh, they held out a certain promise at the time, and you went in that direc direction because of that certain promise, and then you got dumped out the other side wounded. And we bring those things with us into a marriage, and it's, it's inevitably going to surface. And I think this is a, a time of, of great grace in your marriage. The, the struggles we have in the marriage bed, we should pay attention to them. We should not sweep them under the rug. We should not pretend they're not happening. We should not just grin and bear it. We should pay attention spiritually to what those painful realities, those struggles, those frustrations, those difficulties, what they might be speaking. And I think this is speaking loudly and clearly to your heart, and I think you're already hearing the message. Mm. And it seems to me the message is, the Lord is saying, it's time for us to look together keyword, together at these painful memories. It's time to look together at these painful experiences. It's time to look together at what led you there and how those experiences impacted you and how those experiences have impacted your relationship with your husband. And I am here, this is the, what I'm hearing as the voice of Christ to your heart, I am here not to shame you, not to scold you, not to say, I told you so. If you just would have followed the commandments, you wouldn't be having this problem. That is not the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is full of compassion. Compassion means to suffer with. It is full of misericordia, mercy. That word misericordia means a heart that gives itself to those in misery. Those painful past sexual experiences caused a lot of misery, and you brought that misery with you into your marriage, and now it's causing even more misery in your marriage. And Jesus is not scolding or shaming or condemning or saying, I told you so. He's saying, I am here with you to look at these painful experiences, to bring about a healing of your memories. I'm almost 53. I was sexually active in my teen years. And I'm still going through healing from that. Uh, I just, just recently had a very beautiful experience of a memory from being a teenager that was, was haunting me, causing me a renewed kind of grief. And I went back to the memory with the Lord. And, and by that, I mean, I'm in my own prayer life, in my own interior life. I'm trying really hard, and I'm under spiritual direction here. My spiritual director's guiding me here. But to, to 
to open that memory, to go back to the very pain of the memory and open it up to the Lord and his presence in the memory, saying, Jesus, where were you? And I just had this beautiful experience of what, what is called in, in you know, the, the realm of spiritual healing, it's called the healing of memories, where a memory gets reworked. And I'm not, it wouldn't be appropriate for me to get into all the details of this painful sexual memory, but I can say that Christ came into it, and the Blessed Mother came into that painful memory, and instead of going down the road that I went down uh, as a teenager, in that memory it took a different turn, and the desire that this girl and I had for each other in the healing of the memory became a prayer. It became a prayer that, that led us into a glorious experience of divine love, and it became full of gratitude to God for, for showing us. It's, it's as, as if I could go back as a teenager, it's as if I was a teenager again, and the Lord was, was, was taking that desire I had as a teenager, that I aimed at this teenage girl, and that she aimed at me, and through this experience of the healing of the memory, the desire that we aimed at each other became a desire that we aimed together heavenward towards the Lord and His love. And it became, instead of a, a taste of sexual sin, it became an experience of the redeeming of sexual desire that became an openness to divine love that became a song and hymn of praise and joy and gratitude so far beyond whatever momentary pleasure we had in indulging our sinful desires. This is very real, and I want to invite you to consider, um, this is something available to our patrons, and I, I, I hate to say this as if I'm trying to get your money to support the ministry. Of course, we'd accept that and, and use it, put it to good use, but if you just want to pay $10 for one month, uh, as a patron so that you can have access just for one month to these two retreats. I often refer to them in, in our podcast because I think they're, they're very instructive and helpful. One, one of the retreats that's available on our patron website was a retreat I did with Bob Schutz, and he runs the John Paul II Healing Center. The other retreat I did, which is available to our patrons, I did with Andrew Comiskey and his team at Desert Stream Ministries. I would strongly urge you, encourage you to, to spend some time with those videos. It, it, will, it will outline for you what the journey of sexual healing and redemption uh, actually entails, what it looks like, because I think you're on it, dear sister. I know you're on it. The mm -hmm. Lord is knocking at the door of your heart, and I really believe He's saying, now is the time to look at these painful memories. This is a time of hope. This is a time of promise. This is a time of, of entering more deeply into the sacrament of your marriage. And I think as you do follow this way, you will find it's not going to be an easy way because it'll take you through the cross, but you will find new freedom. And I think whatever may be holding you up from being sexually aroused in your relationship with your husband, I think that block can and, and will be healed as you go down this mm. path. Mm. Yeah, I agree with your read on things that there's a lot of grace here. And it's amazing how many times when we we read from our listeners, they're describing something that seems so painful. And we just have that perspective 
you know, we're not in the midst of the pain to see like, ah, we know from our experience, this is a time of grace. This is a grace that you are able to articulate by putting it in a podcast question that, that you're, you have the enough insight to put some of the, the relevant points together. That's all grace. And that's what our marriage is for. It's for us being uh, infused with the grace that we need for our healing and for uh, the light we've been created to shine, to shine more brightly. And I can relate to times of maybe physical uh, suffering, that that first um, comment I shared yes. uh, at the beginning of the episode was touching on that, you know, where your life as um, a pregnant mother of young children is kind of exhausting and kind of emotionally draining and maybe there are physical things going on that are pretty difficult right now. So I can definitely relate to that. That does not mean you're not in a time of grace. In fact, that in itself could be part of the cracking open of your heart right now. So you can even give thanks for that. Yeah. And And, it may be cracking your husband's heart open as well. The Lord is going to use all of this. What what does your husband maybe need to look at here in a time where sexual union is not just exciting and passionate Mm -hmm. and working well? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a time of grace for him as well. A yeah. time, an opportunity. Don't do not think the Lord won't use what you're going through here also for the good of your husband. Yeah, and I I would just encourage you to. Um, you mentioned about just kind of the struggles when you that you're trying to come together and experiencing such disappointments, feelings that you're a failure. I I would just advise this is just kind of woman to woman to. Uh, talk to your husband about maybe taking some time together that's meant just to be, you know, comforting to your body. If you're feeling that much, you know, fatigue and frustration, something that expects nothing from you, that is tenderness shown toward you in as you are right now. And with the assurance, you're not a failure. You, he loves you. Let him show you that he loves you with tenderness that you can receive right now. And as part of this whole process of this time you're in, where, as Christopher's talking about, looking at the healing that the Lord is wanting to do in your memories and in your heart, all of that is a time of of grace. And I I really agree with Christopher about um, pointing you to those retreats as very helpful. Um, I can also think of maybe um, a book by um, Bob shoots. Oh yeah. Be transformed. Uh-huh. Um, I have it right here on my shelf. Uh, this one's, oh, this one's be healed. He has be healed, be transformed and be something else. I forget the other one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look for a book by Bob shoots. His last name is S C H U C H T S. Right. Yep. yep. That's right. Bob shoots. Uh, just, a one of many, but that we just happen to know and love and trust a Catholic psychotherapist who's written on some of these types of healing that are kind of combining the psychological and the spiritual. Why not? The Lord made us. He wants to heal us in our totality. Ah, the other title, the one I couldn't remember be what, 
is Be Restored, oh. and then the subtitle is Healing Our Sexual Wounds Through Jesus' Merciful Love. Mm, yeah, restored. highly recommended. Um, yeah, very, very insightful book, Be Restored. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you, everybody, who submitted questions that we were able to answer on this episode. So grateful to you. Keep the questions coming. If you were blessed by anything we shared in this episode, uh, please share it with somebody who you think will also be blessed by it. Until our next time together, may you know it in your heart, may you know it in your soul, may you know it in your body, that you are an unrepeatable gift. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes. Oh,